Hey, good morning, fellas. <laughs> Getting applause for being late. That's gracious of you. Man, delays are, uh, are awkward. Delays are uncomfortable. I, uh, I was only a minute late just then, but uh, you could feel the awkwardness as I was listening. You, you hear people start to kind of whisper and then talk and then laugh. Um, delays make you think uh, somebody blew it, or maybe John forgot, or maybe the AV guy is not on his game, uh, which is never the case. Thomas does a great job, but, but delays are really uncomfortable. It makes you think there's a problem, maybe, maybe a big problem. Maybe something went really wrong. Maybe you missed it, or maybe God missed it. I think is when, whenever a delay happens in our life. And again, that delay was only for a minute. Sometimes these delays go three weeks, three months, three years. And we need to, we think, we, man, I, I need to start taking control of this situation. Or I need to change plans. I need to run an audible because surely this is not intended. You think about some delays that happen, a delay on 635, a delay because of a missed flight, and it's like, man, not that big of an impact in my life. But then there are other delays that happen that have a significant and even wounding impact on our life. You think about the delay of healing from cancer or some illness, the delay of waiting to get pregnant, you and your wife, maybe with infertility and a struggle there, Delay of finding a spouse, maybe in loneliness. Delay of an interview or even a career change and just waiting and waiting on the Lord, seeing those bills or debt mount up. And some of those delays really begin to feel uncomfortable and cause you to think that maybe God's not there or at work. I want to tell you about some delays in my life in a particular season. So I was was about three months sober. This was 10 years ago. And I had a friend he was working for the Canacook Institute and he knew I was in between jobs and kind of floating. And he was like, man, you should come on this mission trip to Trinidad with us. And I was like, I, bro, I can't afford that. I can't afford the time or the money. I don't, I don't need to go to Trinidad. I need to find a job. And he's like, no, really, you should come. And I was like, thank you. I can't. Months go by and I'm in Dallas and I, I could point to the place on Mockingbird where I was when I, don't, I mean, it's like God came over me. I just, all of a sudden, I'm on the phone. You have one of those moments where you're like, how did I even get here? I'm on the phone. I'm like, have you, have you guys gone to Trinidad yet? He's like, no, we leave in two weeks. You coming? I'm like, yeah, I think I'm coming. So hang up the phone, go home, get online to get a ticket to Trinidad. And everything's booked. This is in April of 2006. Everything's booked. Every flight to Trinidad is booked. And uh, I'm like, who, who is going to Trinidad in April that the, the whole flight is booked? And where is Trinidad? Is that in Arizona? Like, I don't even know where this is or why people are going. I'm like, well, surely this can't be. This is just all the tickets that they release online. So I call American. I'm like, need a ticket to Trinidad. Okay, hold, please. Comes back on. Sorry, sir, they're all booked. I'm like, I just need a flight to Trinidad. In, in, in any window of time, these 72 hours, anything would be fine. Hold, comes back, another delay. Sorry, sir, we don't have any flights available. And I'm like, is this a joke? And I'm like, and I really felt like the Lord put this on my heart. Like it was, it was again, it was uncanny when I felt like I'm, I'm supposed to call this guy. Bought a backpack, I'm supposed to go. And uh, I said, will you please check? one more time and see if you can find any seat 
first class, coach, I don't care. I just need to get to Trinidad. She's like, okay. No joke, I'm on hold for 20 minutes. I I thought she had just forgotten about me because I'm just sitting there on the phone. I've got it on speaker. I remember sitting on the ground level of my brother's house, and I'm just like, there's no way. Like, I mean... I thought about hanging up so many times and, and maybe just uttered one or two just simple prayers of like, God, if you want me to go, let there be a ticket. Nothing. Delay, delay, delay. 20 minutes. And she clicks back over. So are you still there? I'm like, yes. She goes, I found one ticket. Uh, I can't hold it. You'll need to purchase it immediately. I'm like, great. I'll take it. She said, well, it's, it's, it's $1,200. I'm like, okay, uh, I'll take it. And again, don't have a job in between. I get there, I fly to Trinidad by myself because I get a random ticket instead of with the group. And I get into immigration, you know, you fill out the little paperwork and you have to pass through before you can enter into their country. And there's a woman standing there at the decks, uh, you know, passport, immigration paper. And she looks at it and she goes, because it's not filled out. And she goes, where are you going? I was like, uh, I don't know. I don't know really. And she was like, where are you staying? I was like, I don't have that information. She was like, what is the name of the organization that you were going to? I was like, um, ma'am, I, I don't really know that. And she goes, why are you here? I'm like, God told me to. I was like, uh, I'm on a mission trip. And, and then the whole, her whole demeanor changes. Apparently, you don't say that in a, in a uh, typically Muslim or Hindu country. She's at a mission trip. Who are you coming here with and who else is coming? And I was like, oh, I'm like ruining the whole trip for everyone. <laughs> They're going to get busted. Uh, I've only been walking with the Lord for three months. I'm like, I'm blowing all the Christian cues that no one told me. And so I said, uh, I'm getting this delay here at immigration. I said, the Canacook Institute, she's like, what's their phone number? I was like, well, well they're not there because they're coming here. They're on flights. They're somewhere between Miami and Trinidad, wherever we are. And she's like, I'm making one phone call. And if I don't reach them, you're on the next flight back to Miami. I was like, what? So delay again. And she puts me in this little single seat by the entrance back onto the boarding gate to go back to Miami. And I see her like on the phone gesturing and all this. And I'm like, I know she's not talking to the people at the Canacook Institute because they're coming here to Trinidad. Like she's talking to her supervisor or something. Like I'm gone. And an hour goes by and I just sit there. And again, nothing profound, but I'm just like, God, surely you didn't put that on my heart. I spent that money. I'm trying, God. Surely you didn't bring me here to Trinidad just to fly back to Miami and get kicked out of a country. And all of a sudden, she leaves, and this other guy who I've never seen before walks up to the immigration desk, and he just does this. I was like, oh, this is it. I'm getting booted. And so I walk up, and he goes, passport, like no smile, no nothing. I'm like, very reluctantly, because I'm like, he's going to take it away. I'm not getting this back until I get on the board to Miami. And I hand it to him, and he just goes, welcome to Trinidad. I was like, um, sir, the woman that was just here told me that I, I needed to, and he goes, welcome to Trinidad. I was like, um, 
thank you. But sir, the, the woman that was here, and he goes, I suggest you enter the airport. It was like, these are not the droids you're looking for. It's like, God seriously like appointed some random immigration guy to come and put me in the country after all of that delay. And then I get there and on day two, because I, what I didn't tell you is that I justified this $1,200 trip. Uh, Venezuela apparently is eight miles from Trinidad. So I was like, I'm just gonna make this a vacation. Like I'll go to Trinidad, share the gospel, mission trip. And then I'm going to Venezuela. I'm gonna catch Angel Falls, hike around. Day two, I wake up bus is getting ready to go. And uh, I was like, guys, where's my bag? And they're like, what are you talking about? I'm like, I know, new guy. Hey, but seriously, the bus is leaving. Like, where's my bag? I need to get dressed. I can't go share the gospel in my underwear. Like, what What are you talking about? I'm like, I need my bag, guys. I know, new guy, give me my bag. Like, we don't have your bag, but you need to get dressed. I'm like, I can't get dressed. Where's my bag? And they're like, Honestly, we don't have your bag. My bag had been stolen in the middle of the night from my room. There's like 60 people on this trip. Mine gets stolen. I'm not even supposed to be there. Preventing me from going to Venezuela, and I spend two more days of my trip in the U.S. Embassy in Trinidad trying to get a a temporary passport to get out of the country that I didn't even plan on being in. Like delay, 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 delay all throughout this entire time. And I'm just like, God, what are you doing? Like, where are you? I'm supposed, to, I'm supposed to be here, not get kicked out. I'm supposed to be sharing the gospel, not get stuck in immigration or the U.S. embassy. Like the whole thing was just a, one delay after another. But I would ask this, what if, what if every one of those delays was sovereignly designed for me? specifically for me and for others? What if those weren't accidents at all? What if, in fact, they weren't even delays that God was at work behind the scenes? And that's what we're going to talk about today, our delays, when God delays. And when God delays, he does it for our good, for our growth, and for his glory. And we're going to be looking at Mark 5.21 through 6.56, and here's the crazy thing, is that when, when you look at those stories, it's, these are some of the most famous stories in the Bible. You know, uh, the bleeding woman, Jairus' daughter that was raised from the dead, Jesus walking on the water uh, in the midst of the storm, the feeding of the 5,000. Like, these aren't when God delays stories. But as I read through these, in the whole entirety, looking at the whole passage, I was like, and this is all about delays. There is a delay in every single one of these stories, which is kind of crazy because Mark's gospel is known for immediacy. Any commentary you read, we'll talk about, yeah, I think Tim, Tim Keller mentions in his book, the word euthus, the Greek word for immediate, happens over 40 times. It's like immediately, immediately, immediately. And yet in this passage, I would argue it's like delay, delay, awkward delay uncomfortable delay. God, where are you delay? But what, but what also happens is there's this delay where it's like, what's going on? And then boom, immediately God arrives on the scene in Jesus, changes everything. And because of that immediacy where he enters into the scene, that delay, it is immistakable that Jesus is God in flesh and that God who is sovereign and providential 
is immediately working. Those delays had a design so that everyone could see this is, not, this is no man. This is God in flesh. There was design in the delay. So uh, I'm going to go through this fast from a time standpoint. Our three points. First, God delays for our good. The first one that you see here, delayed healing. This woman had been uh, sick, bleeding for 12 years. It says that she was under the care of many doctors and spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. She had spent 12 years on man's solutions, man's attempt for her to get better, and she got worse for 12 years. And then in the midst of this crowd, she touches Jesus' cloak, immediately healed, and he turns and says, who touched me? You guys know the story. I think that God sovereignly allowed her to remain unhealed for those 12 years so that she could know the true healer. Jesus was more concerned about spiritual healing than he was physical healing. And he knew if I allow her to go those 12 years, because he could have healed her through the doctors. She was a Jewish woman. I'm sure she was praying all along. He could have healed her at any point throughout those 12 years. But he delayed so that she would know that healing came specifically from Jesus, that she would know that healing was from that man, and he is something special, because I've tried other men, and they couldn't heal me. And not just that, he allowed other people to see it. He made her pause in the midst of that crowd and said, who touched me? And they all would have said, oh my, the unclean woman, she's going to get rebuked. But it was so that all those other people could say, he healed her? That's what's going on? She's okay? And not only that healing, but to be restored back into culture as well. And so a question that you would talk about in your group is what's an area of your life where you've been bleeding out for so many years or so many months? Whether it's, you know, a porn struggle, a broken marriage, whatever it is, some bleeding area where you've tried on your own or by man's ways to get better, but you've not yet cried out to Jesus and you've not gone public with it yet. That's what I did with alcoholism. I tried for years. You know, I'll I'll just drink beer. I'll just drink wine. I'll only drink on the weekends. Whatever it was, I tried my own ways, little tips and tricks. They didn't work. But when I cried out to Jesus and I began to talk about it with other people and bring it into the light, healing, the true healer. Uh, Jairus' daughter delayed life so that they might know the life giver. You know this story too, Jairus, he's pleading with her. Jairus gets delayed. And you think, well, that delay was not for his good because his daughter died. But then ultimately, Jesus goes, takes her by the hand, little girl, wake up, and she does. And all the people see this man wasn't just a healer like he was with the bleeding woman. He just raised someone from the dead. And again, revealing himself, not just to be a man or a magician or a doctor, but only God gives life and raises life. And so they would have known in that moment because he sovereignly delayed to allow her to die so that he could raise her from the dead. That's God in flesh. This is not just a man, the one who came to die for our sins and rose from the dead. God delays for our good but he also delays for our growth. Uh, delay, you know, and, and let, me, let me interject one thing. As I talk about God delaying, there is no such thing. 
uh, we just, we, we perceive it as a delay because we have expectations of what should be. But in actuality, God's, God's not early. He's not late. He's sovereignly and perfectly by design on time. God, God, he's not late. He can't be. Ephesians 1.11 says he works everything into conformity of his will. Now your wife might be late. Your kids, other things, people may be late, but God is sovereignly and providentially always on time. So as we talk about God's delays, that's our perception of him. God delays for our growth. These passages about him being rejected in Nazareth, John the Baptist being killed, and that the fact that the disciples couldn't rest. So the first one, delayed understanding. He went back to Nazareth. He was preaching and teaching in the synagogue. There were some healings. And they said, who is it that has this power and this authority to say such things? And there was a delayed understanding because if they would have known who he was, they would have made him king. Because they were expecting a military, governmental authority to overthrow Rome. And so they were looking for that king, not necessarily the Messiah. They wanted a king, and he knew he was going to the cross, not the throne. He was going to the cross. He came to first die, not to reign, to have reign over sin, death, and Satan, not over Rome in this world. But they were looking for that king. So there was a delayed understanding of who he was, frankly, so that we also might be saved. Delayed comfort. John the Baptist in prison for this reason in verse 18. For John had been saying to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. John was in prison for speaking the truth to Herod. And John in another gospel says, hey, he tells his servants who had visited him in jail, go and ask, are you the one who was to come? And Jesus tells him, yeah, I'm fulfillment of Isaiah 61. The blind see, the lame walk, you know that. And he leaves out and the captives are released. He leaves that part out. And so John's there in prison awaiting comfort, the comfort of Isaiah 61, the coming Messiah, thinking like, "Well, well, where is my comfort? And it ends in him being beheaded. I mean, the picture right there. Beheaded. Delayed comfort. Christ did not extend to John comfort, but allowed him rather to have the fellowship of suffering. It says in 1 Peter 1.7, these trials have come so that your faith may be proved genuine. God will delay for our growth for our faith to be proven, to be comforted all throughout this life is to claim and desire the prosperity gospel. Instead, all through the New Testament, it says that we are to expect suffering and afflictions and trials and persecution. That is our expectation, that just like Jesus, we'll receive the cross and then the crown. And so a question I would ask you is, uh, Have you been silent for the sake of comfort? Do you have a friend like Herod that you should be speaking up and saying, hey, what you're doing is not right. What you're doing leads to death. That woman you're with, that's adultery or that porn struggle or that pill struggle or that unethical practice at work or whatever it may be. And are you remaining silent for the sake of comfort? Or will you forsake comfort like John the Baptist did for the sake of your friend? to speak the truth in love. 
And that's not license to go be a Christian jerk. You're to be a shepherd. You're to love them. Kindness that leads back to repentance. But to be silent is to be a willing party to their death. Delayed rest for others to find rest. It says in verse 31, And he said to them, Jesus, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going so that they had no leisure even to eat. Jesus and the apostles couldn't even eat. They did not even have time to eat. Now, we've all been busy, but we all find time to at least grab a cliff bar or whatever on the road, drive through. There are a few times when you don't even have time to eat. Maybe you miss a meal, but to not even eat. You see, they were forsaking their rest. They delayed their rest so that others could find rest. They delayed themselves having rest so that others could find rest in Jesus. Continually serving, knowing now's not my time for rest. Hebrews talks about the Sabbath rest that is coming. Whenever I get home at night, I don't know who, who I heard this from. Maybe it was here at Watermark, maybe somewhere else. But as a dad and as a husband, someone told me, hey, when you get home, you're on second shift. First shift is at work. Second shift is when you walk in the door. All I want to do when I get home is like put my feet up, just veg, decompress. But I don't. My kids are there. My wife's there. So it's like, that's second shift for me. That's my second shift of work to go in and serve. I delay my rest so that others can rest. Because guess what? Laura's job is more demanding than mine. As a stay-at-home mom, it's more physically demanding and taxing. And even when I do get home, it's not like she kicks up her feet. She's working there alongside of me with our kids, for our kids. But we delay our rest as men, as servant leaders, so that others can rest. That's Ephesians 5, as Christ laid down his life for us. You delay your rest so that others can rest. Third point, God delays for his glory. So he delays for our good and for our growth. He also delays for his glory. In verse 38, this is when Jesus feeds the multitudes. Uh, He says to them, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. So you imagine the 12 disciples, they're now combing through the 5,000 people. That's just men, by the way. There were also women and children. So we're talking 15,000 plus. Combing through the crowds, asking them, what do you have food-wise and can we have it? Now out of 5,000 people, You're telling me all they found was a little boy with five loaves and two fish? I don't think that's the case. I think that's the only person who spoke up and actually said, here's this. There's no way that that was the only food. But that little boy delayed gratification. He delayed his own gratification in faith so that others could be satisfied. And so they come back and say, we got these five loaves and these two fish, and Jesus feeds the multitude as a result. He gave up what he had in faith so that others could have. The way this worked in my life, when we were doing the uh, building campaign to purchase the building next door, that nine-story tower, truly, this was my thought and my conversation with Laura. I'm like, I mean, it's $15 million. What's, my, what's our contribution going to do? I mean, really, our, our salary and our savings, like, like we're going to move the dial at all? I mean, what's that even worth? We're, we can't change that. We can't impact that. 
But if we would have held on to that mentality, and if everyone else, you who are in this room and otherwise, would have held on to that mentality of like the little boy, like I've got us five loaves and two fish. We're talking about 5,000 people. What good's that going to do? I'll just hold on to mine. I'll just keep what I got because that's not going to make a dent in what Jesus maybe wants to do. If we would have all done that, we wouldn't have that building. As it stands, God has given us that building. That's crazy that a nine-story building on the corner of 635 and 75 was paid for in cash in a matter of months. And, and, and if you're not from this church, let me say again, that's not prosperity gospel. That building is not used like a jet airliner or anything. That's for the kingdom of God to flourish. This parking lot is full every night of every week with people being made disciples and people hearing the gospel that Jesus died for their sins, was raised from the dead, and then they become disciples and invite people. We outgrow this, not because watermark's getting bigger, because the kingdom of God is getting bigger, because some of us said, you know what? Here's my little bit of savings, God. And I don't know how this is going to move the dial. And he's like, no, no, give me that. 15 million, that's nothing. 5,000, that's nothing. God delays for his glory. He delayed help so that they would know the helper. As uh, this, this is the crazy one. When the, when the apostles, he sends them across the lake. He says, go on to Bethsaida. He waits on the land. It says he watches them. It says when evening came, he sees the winds against them and they're straining. And then it says, not until the fourth watch of the night, which was 3 to 6 a.m. That means approximately 6 p.m. whenever the sun went down, I don't know, 7, until 3 or 6 a.m. He watched them straining for nine hours. He intentionally let them strain for nine hours. Doesn't that seem cruel and unusual? In John's gospel, it says they were three and a half miles into the Sea of Galilee. Sea of Galilee is 13 miles long and seven miles wide. So three and a half miles, they were dead center. And Jesus is just watching them all through the night, straining against the wind, delaying. But he did it so that they would know, I'm not just a man, fellas, I am the Christ, the Messiah, Son of God in flesh. And so here he comes walking on the water because they still didn't understand who he was. Their hearts were still hard. And so he delayed so that they could know I'm not just a man, which is what I thought about Jesus for 30 years. I'm like, whatever, Son of God died on the cross. Fine, I'll agree with the facts. But you you don't have any part in my life until I was desperate straining, stranded in the middle of that lake of alcoholism, pride, materialism, greed, status. And then, and then I realized you are the helper. You're my helper. Don't have time for the next one uh, to rush through delayed expectations. They were supposed to go to Bethsaida. I never saw this until I read my ESV commentary. They end up because of the storm in Gennesaret. He says, go to Bethsaida, they end up in Gennesaret, which feels like uh, a lot of our lives. You think like, man, this is not what I expected in life. This is not what I thought my life would be like. This this divorce, this illness, this job loss, whatever. Like I I didn't want this in life. I didn't expect this. But when they got to Gennesaret, people were healed. They were saved. And so God had design in that delay of expectations too. And so whatever delayed expectations you're experiencing right now, 
God has purpose in that and he will redeem it. It's not lost that you're not in your Bethsaida where you intended to be. He knows you're in Gennesaret and he will do a great and mighty work there for his glory. You remember my Trinidad story whenever I said I didn't go to Venezuela? Well, because of that, I ended up back in Dallas and uh, my friends that I went on the mission trip with in the Kanakuk Institute called me. They're like, hey, you're not in Venezuela, so you want to come up to Missouri and help us out? We're getting ready for all the summer camps. It's work week. You want to come? I was like, yeah, I guess so. I don't have anything else to do. So I go there, and I'm around these incredible men of God, and they're like, have you ever thought about coming to the Kanakuk Institute, this one-year discipleship program, and just learn about the Lord and go deep? And I was like, okay. Fill out the application, hand it in. I was like, hey, man, it ain't pretty, but it's honest. I get accepted into that program. Two weeks into the program, I felt a call on my life that I was going to tell people Jesus is real, and if you surrender to him, he'll change everything. And I knew I was not going back to sales or to advertising, that for the rest of my life, I was going to do that every day I could. And what I'm telling you is that, that if it weren't for the delays in Trinidad, I wouldn't be standing here today. I don't know where I would be. All of those delays were sovereignly allowed, designed, my bag getting stolen to keep me from Venezuela, to be back in Missouri, to apply to that thing that I would be here today. Like God has a purpose and a design in my delays, in your delays, in every delay you will face, small or large, he's at work in the delay. I promise you, it's for your good, it's for your growth, and it's for his glory Now, if all the leaders of the group, the leaders of the group, if you'll come up to the stage right now, you remember the delay at the beginning? Come on up, come up, come up to the stage. I'm asking you, the leaders of the summit group. If you remember my delay at the beginning, you guys think, oh, that was just like an illustration or uh, you can go ahead and go back through that, that doorway right there. Go back through that doorway behind me. It was just an illustration, right, for the delay? No, it wasn't just an illustration. I was back there in the back with two friends of mine, Dale, and Angie setting up 43 boxes of Krispy Kreme donuts. That delay was for you, for the good of your blood sugar level, for the growth of your waistline, and for the glory of God that you would have a Krispy Kreme this morning. So your group leaders are grabbing a Krispy Kreme for you. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Have a great morning, guys. Love y'all.